Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan, back from my holidays, all refreshed. And I cannot think of a better way of starting than to say how full of exaltation and jubilation we are about our Irish women's hockey team, whose historic performance got us into the World Cup final. The very first time an Irish team, male or female, has done such a wonderful thing. And of course, they brought home those shiny silver medals. I'm delighted to tell you we have two of the team here to talk about their achievements. Midfielder Chloe Watkins, who got her 200th cap playing against the Dutch in the final. The score was 6-0 to the Netherlands, but we don't need to dwell on that point. And forward Anna O'Flanagan, who has the joint record for the highest number of goals scored for Ireland. They came in with their medals and we talked about what it took to get into the final. We talked about Shane Ross, of course, and about the future of women's hockey in Ireland. I know you're really going to enjoy this. Look, I'm afraid actually we're kind of starstruck in the studio today. We have two women in here. Chloe Watkins and Anna O'Flanagan with their silver medals around their necks and the sense of excitement is unbelievable and that's really from Roisin and Jennifer and myself. The two of them are being perfectly measured and wonderful and discussing how they can phrase certain things about what life has been like and Shane Ross and sundry other things. Um, So I'm going to start with you, Chloe. Are you still up there on that plane flying back and that sense of crack and achievement? Oh, I think so. I don't think it's it's even remotely at home yet. Um, I think the last few days, obviously, we had a semi-final on Saturday, then a final on Sunday, and then we flew back Monday. And it's just been a whirlwind since then, really. So, yeah, it's trying to take it all in and enjoy it at the same time because we, we really never imagined we'd get a reaction like this uh, for, for hockey so it's been an absolutely unbelievable few days and, you know, hopefully it'll hit home soon and I can, I can really enjoy it. Because just to set it in perspective, Anna, coming from a team that was ranked second lowest in the, in the, in the, in the World Cup um, and it's now eighth. Yeah. Tell us, I mean, that is the most, just tell people who may not have taken this on board, what does that mean? Oh, it means absolutely everything, I think. The team really believed, we believed in ourselves, but we didn't necessarily have the backing from everyone else outside of the team. And and that's probably the nicest part of all of this now is that we're eventually getting that recognition that we've always felt we deserved. But, you know, yeah, to, to be the second lowest ranked team in the tournament, uh, we were in Dublin Airport before we left and people were looking at us going, who are these girls and where are they going? And, you know, two of the girls were joking. They they were walking up the plane and they were waving on, on as we were leaving for London and they were waving to nobody, just yeah. kind of having a laugh. And they said, oh, here we are off to the World Cup, you know, waving away. And then we actually flew back on a chartered plane you know, we're escorted by the fire brigade the whole way down the runway. We came off the plane to applause. We came into crowds and crowds of people. We came to thousands of people at Dame Street. And, you know, in a three-week period, that change in 
the support that we have and and the impact that we've had on people's lives I still don't think we really understand any of that but it shows you where we were at before the tournament and where we are now It is extraordinary yeah. Chloe one of the things I noticed I was away unfortunately but I noticed on Twitter I was watching every all little moves on Twitter was somebody said you know you know, I was a goalkeeper in my, I, on my school hockey team and I was telling stories to people about how I knocked a girl's tooth out doing a bully <laughs> off I don't think the bully <laughs> off exists anymore and suddenly we were dredging up stories that we hadn't actually thought about in my case, for about 95 years. So you've really done this amazing thing for hockey, which I don't think people knows what hockey is as a sport. The pace of it, the the, the techniques of it, the sheer agony if if somebody hits a ball very hard (laughs) and and, and it hits you on the thigh. Um, Tell us a little bit about the game. Yeah, um, well, it's it is it is a great game to watch. It's it's hot and heavy. I mean, it's sixty minutes, but it's it's really flat out sixty minutes. So there are rolling substitutions, um, because you you really can't go much more than a six minute stint, and then you're off for two minutes maybe, and then you're back on. So, uh, you know, you do need speed. You need. Uh, we would do a lot of fitness. We would do uh, gym work as well uh, every every week, and. Obviously, it's it's a very technical sport. Um, you can only use one side of the stick, those kind of things. And yeah, tell us more about that. There used to be a bully off, but there isn't anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, you there. You obviously use one side of the stick. It's a foul if you use the other side. Mm. Obviously, it can't hit your feet either, or any body part. Um, so can you raise the stick above the shoulder? Is that has you that can, changed? You can. There's a bit of a a bit of like yeah. uncertainty, a bit of grey area around that. Mm. But you can. When you're shooting, you can you can lift it above your shoulder and that kind of thing. You obviously can't create danger. It's called yeah. so if if the ball comes above hip height sort of area, mm-hmm. it's a bit grey. But that's where we argue with the umpires really and <laughs> around those situations. Grey areas all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite it, it is it is a very very physical sport. <laughs> yeah, it is quite physical. You broke your nose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You can. It the ball is extremely hard. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, if you do get hit with it, it does it does really, really hurt. Uh, I got a ball to the face recently enough. And luckily, it didn't split. We have another girl on the team who got um, hit on the face as she was at the World Cup. But, you know, her, her whole eyebrow was falling off because she got hit so hard. And it it is it is extremely physical. And not only that, there's a lot of body contact involved. And, yeah, it isn't a contact sport. But so <laughs> I'm not wrong by that memory of how sore that yeah, ball is if it gets you so anywhere. Yeah. So, Chloe, tell us then about what it takes to get to that level in terms of physical fitness. Uh, you talk about fitness and going out training and everything. Just give us a little glimpse into what you've been doing for how many years now? Um, well, it's been just, just over eight years now that um, I've been involved in squad. Well, Anna and I, we actually got our first cap on the same day, which is funny. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, the thing about it is that, you know, we've been involved for eight years and it's been constant. It's never... You, you can't really go in and out. We're not sort of, you know, training for a couple of months and then we're off for a couple of months. It's not, that's not the case at all. It's it's really every day of our lives and it, it has been for, well, beyond eight years since we've been involved in hockey. But with the national team, it is every day of the year and we would do pitch sessions in the evening five times a week. We are in the gym two mornings a week. We then, you know, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'd be training before work, going into work and training on the pitch until maybe 10 o'clock at night um, and then going to, you know, up the next day and do it again. Friday, you might get off. <laughs> and then Saturday, Sunday, your weekend is taken up with it again because you've got matches, you've got national training all Sundays. So 
it really has been every day of our lives since we've got involved in the squad and uh, that's just the kind of commitment all the girls have made. You see, that's, I think, what people are waking up to is that level of commitment and sacrifice, Anna. Yeah. Um, you, were, you, you, you qualified as a solicitor mm-hmm. last year yeah. uh, with McCann. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, and you've given all that up. You gave all that up. Yeah. To go to the Netherlands to play with a, one of the highest level teams in the world, I suppose. The Netherlands is yeah. the highest ranking country in the world in terms of hockey. But you, you managed to qualify as a solicitor while doing all this training. How did you do that? Yeah, I think back now and it was all a bit crazy. But um, yeah, I, I went to UCD. I did law with economics. That was OK. You know, I was on a scholarship there at Astra, as was Chloe, uh, which was really helpful. And they really helped us balance everything. But then I went in and did my FE1 exams to before I could start qualifying as a solicitor. And I went into my campus trial for two and a half years and I worked five days a week and long, long hours. And everybody knows this is long, long hours. Yeah. Some people bring blankets in with them. In yeah. Yes. You know, there were days when I was in the office until the middle of the night and I was up again the next morning, you know, after three hours sleep to go to the gym to then get back to work, to then go training that evening. You know, I remember times when I'd miss a team session because I, I'd have to work and I would then have to, you know, find a pitch in the darkness and climb over a fence to get into it, to train late at night, to make sure that I could, you know, be in the best possible shape for the team. And that was in the lead up to the qualifier for the World Cup. So I was working extremely long hours. It, it wasn't always like that, you know, but... Even on a good week, I was still working lots and lots of hours and you would work, you'd be up maybe quarter past five in the morning to go to the gym and then you'd you'd work your day. And then, as Chloe said, you'd go to training in the evening. And for me, um, you know, I'm I'm so grateful to my campus, Gerald. You know, they gave me so, you know, they gave me so much support and I'm so grateful. But it wasn't sustainable Mm -hmm. to continue doing that as a lifestyle. And we knew how much talent was in this squad and. And we just had to make those decisions that, you know, this, I need a a career and, you know, financially I need to be supported. But I can't, I'm not going to fulfill my dreams with the national team if I continue to do this. So, yeah, I had to make an extremely difficult decision, one that some people thought was a bit crazy. You I did, think. you were 27 at the time when, yeah. you, when you went went professional, so yeah. to speak. And, yes. and when, when you say go professional, it, it's not professional. You know, I used, I saved my money while I was in McCann Fitzgerald to allow myself time then to to train as a professional. But I don't get any money to train as a professional. I'm using the savings that I have while I was working yeah. to train as a professional. And Chloe, I know, is in the same position. You did the same thing, Chloe? Mm. I, I, I did, yeah. yeah I went did, away did you also time. do law? No, I didn't. Um, I, did biz- I did commerce and Spanish in UCD and then worked in business um, for uh, a year or two before taking a year out last year um, with Anna to go over to Amsterdam but again yeah I, I think we can say we've got a hole in our bank accounts yeah. after it um, and when you were making the decision Anna to to, uh, to to leave McCann Fitzgerald you are 27 yeah. it, it was it was it was a huge risk yeah. um, what made you think you could succeed uh, I suppose I, I always I, I think I'm the type of person that I always want to get better and better at what I do and 
And it was difficult because I felt that I was compromising both elements of my life. I felt I was compromising my career in a way and I was also compromising my hockey in a way by doing both of those things. And, you know, as I say, I do want to be good at what I do and I want to get better. So I thought that, look, I'm I'm not going to be the best at my job or am I going to be the best at hockey if I continue to do this? So I thought, look, I want to challenge myself and I want to push myself as best as I can. And to do that, I have to give more time into hockey. But I also knew how good our squad was and what we could do if we got more people doing that. Uh, so, yeah, it was great that a couple of us could do it. But, you know, it it took a long time to make that decision and a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of wondering how I could ever financially support myself. And, you know, thankfully for my, like for my family, they've supported me so well. You know, I still have to live at home when I when I'm in Dublin and mm. for this summer and you know there there are times when you have to say look I'm I'm really struggling here is there any chance you can help us out so that's an extremely difficult decision when you've when you've worked so hard to get a qualification and you know you're making money and you know you're succeeding in that sense and then you you cut all of that off but you know this is a dream that we've pursued since we were we were small kids you know ever since we picked up a stick we said we want to play hockey for Ireland we want to not only qualify for an Olympics or qualify for a World Cup, but we want to compete with the best in the world. And that that was really the driving force behind it. You know, if we want to compete with the best in the world, we have to train like them and we have to act like them. And, you know, yeah, it, it would be great if we could get the financial backing that they get. But, yeah. And Chloe, talking of financial backing, there is a view that hockey is, is is an elite sport and that it's played, it reminds you a little bit of rugby that people sort of are a little bit begrudging of it because they say it comes out of the private schools and that sort of thing. Yet rugby has always been embraced by the population at large because of its, its the plucky lads and the internationals, yes. you know, and all that sort of thing. And now it has gone completely professional, as we know. Hockey would would appear to have come from similar roots, you know, from the private schools and that sort of thing. So it was an immensely ambitious thing to think you could ever make a living out of hockey and stick at it in a professional way. Did yeah. you looking back now, was it a very foolhardy notion or uh are you just unusual people? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but um no, I mean obviously there is that perception about hockey because a lot of private schools and there's certain areas um, you know, that it is uh, popular in those areas but I think you, with hockey you kind of have to you have to create partnerships with schools clubs and schools have to create partnerships because you know pitches and things like that have such a high cost and they manage to get grants and things so that that's probably why that happens there's more of a shared facility um, mentality with hockey due to its costly nature probably mm. so it, you know it's not an elitist sport but it's just it's just the way in which pitches and and facilities can get shared mm-hmm. uh, through schools with clubs. But um, yeah, I think obviously in Holland it's it is professional and you know the the Dutch players are very well supported. Um, we we wanted to play in the best league in the world as well, so mm-hmm. it was from that point of view to get you know exposure to that standard, not just yeah. to try and get a life balance, but it was to get exposure and try and better ourselves as players yeah. as well. That, that's why but Anna, in the go. meantime, basically, hockey, you and hockey have been living kind of on the clippings of tin. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And you arrived back to this fantastic celebration with Mariah mm. Carey's All I Want for <laughs> Christmas and Mariah Carey actually tweeting and and uh, this wonderful, wonderful atmosphere that I think I'll play till the end of my life mm. if I ever need a lift. In the middle of it all, Shane Ross makes this fantastic announcement with enormous ceremony and pauses if he's on The Apprentice and all that sort of thing. And he says one and a half million and, and I, you, can, you are clearly getting emotional in the video. Um, and then... Everybody out there is thinking, what does he mean by one and a half million? Does he mean one and a half million for Chloe and Anna and to reward <laughs> them and to make them feel more secure in that world and to lead them all ever onwards and upwards? Or does he mean for every single sport in Ireland that's looking for a share? Have you clarified that at all? Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of clarification around it. I do think it is for Olympic sports and World Championship sports. And I think only... S- he has said that a significant portion of that money will go to hockey. Um, I believe that he can't actually dictate exactly how much we get and that it's potentially up to Sport Ireland as to how, how much of that we get. But yeah, I think I think it would be great for us as players and as an organisation to get more clarity around that figure, around what does significant mean. I know that's yes. a question that people are asking. And when, you know, when is that money coming and, and time yeah, timeframes around that. And also the fact that we don't even have a, a home for hockey in Ireland. And we as an association rent pitches from clubs and schools to train. And, you know, a significant portion of that money, if it is to be spent building a home, will will be gone. Very you know, significant. Ve- <laughs> and and it will, it will, that money would then... Uh, no longer exists because we would then have a home and if I think there needs to be clarity around you know will there be a home for hockey will there be a a pitch built or facilities built and will there be money as well for the association to help the athletes or you know what is it exactly I think you know that more clarification would be amazing we're not downplaying what Shane Ross has done obviously an additional 1.5 million for sport in Ireland is amazing obviously we're not saying that but yeah I think the scale of our achievement we're the first ever team in Irish history to make a World Cup final and And let us say male or female just in case there's any doubt about this yeah and you know we are completely and utterly amateur and we as Chloe says have massive holes in our bank account for this so to get more clarification would be incredible and we're very grateful to everyone who supported us and I know Softco just mm. came on board before the World Cup and that was such a boost for us because we have been through so much trying to get a sponsor and trying to get people to believe in us and and there was just not much give, you know. Or and big shout out for Softco yeah, because it absolutely. didn't impose any conditions as far as I know. No, it's absolutely incredible and they were there from start to finish last week and I know they had to put their hands in their pocket last week to help yeah. us out as the tournament went on, you know, because our association wasn't really prepared for the amount of money we needed yeah. to spend. For two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we were prepared yeah. to be there for two weeks uh, from that point of view. Yeah, but yes, so Softco have been amazing and I know... After the group games, uh, we all were back to the hotel. We were preparing for quarterfinal and suddenly our keys didn't work for our rooms in our hotel anymore because obviously, you know, they were expecting us to be checking out. out. But, you know, so we we absolutely loved that. You know, as a group of girls, we were like, this is it, you know. We were like, we were going all the way here. (laughs) Uh, So we all marched down to reception saying, you know, 
We're make my key work. Needed for my room. Yeah. <laughs> and did they make the key work? Yeah, they did. they did. So some of the teams would have booked the hotel for the whole time, but Irish hockey obviously weren't a, in a position to do that and weren't sure how far we'd get so it was more of a rolling uh, conditions with the hotel but yeah there's little things like that that as a group of players just pushes you even further you know to achieve things Now I don't want to dwell on the Shane Ross episode because I don't want to take the joy out of this but he d- did talk about I am going to give this and I am going to do that and it did sound as though he's going to reach into his back pocket and produce one and a half million for you Was that your impression at the time Chloe that, that, that you were because when you became emotional there it was clearly your impression that the one and a half million was coming to hockey Yeah um, t- well if I'm being very brutally honest I that is how I I um heard it at the time it's just the way it came out um it was kind of like 1.5 million and then it, there was a bit there's a bit of gasps and a few of the girls mm. and stuff so we didn't quite hear the full uh, clarity of the sentence but yeah I mean he's 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 pledged it now and he's he's given his support um in the public eye so you know we'll be I don't want to be, but we'll be holding him to it. Hopefully, you know, we'll be and watching him. Absolutely, it, it was great to say it. So, um, you know, we'll be we'll be waiting for it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and more if possible, because by the time you get your home, uh, I don't think one and a half million is going to go too far. I mean, if you if you compare it with, say, the English uh, hockey team's budget, they work off seventeen million. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen million. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow! Now tell me, in the meantime. There has been a bit of confusion about this this pay to play yeah. levy. Were you actually paying quite a large sum of money to play hockey? Uh, yeah, we have been paying. So, uh, as Chloe mentioned earlier, myself and Chloe got our first cap uh, together in two thousand and ten. So, for the last eight years, most of those years, we have pay- played what is called a player levy every year to play hockey for Ireland. So. It's been five hundred and fifty euro yep. each. Um, so every member of the squad will pay that much, and it's allocated in our budget every year that that is what we have to pay. Now, last year we had a completely player-led fundraiser to allow us then to not to have that money in our budget without us having to pay for it personally. So last year we didn't pay it thanks to that player-led fundraiser, and this year we haven't had to pay the levy no, for I, the first time. For the yeah. first time, so. We're not quite sure as to why we haven't paid that levy. Um, whether it was Sofco coming on board or whether, you know, sometimes it can be at the end of the year, you'll hear, oh, by the way, you know, can we have your levy, please? You know, mm-hmm. so we're hoping we haven't paid it this year. And look, if they ask me for 550 <laughs> euro now, I might have a different answer for them than I've had previously. But um, Do I like them an IOU? Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. A, I can't afford it. And B, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. I might have to sell a few things, but um, yeah, I I think it it is it is crazy, and I know that you know over the years we have tried to talk about it, and we have tried to to just say how ridiculous it is that you know we are representing our country, but it's not only us. Our, our underage teams are paying colossal mm. amounts of money to play at underage, and. It's very so difficult. Underage is, 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 is what, Anna? Under 16, under 18 16. and under 21. And they're play, paying quite they large pay levies. Every time they go to training, they have to bring cash to play because the pitches are being rented and a lot of the coaches there are completely volu- volunteers, you know, so they're not getting paid. It's just to pay for the actual cost of having these sessions. Um, they have to pay for all their gear, 
you know, and I know a group of parents were set up this year with the help of a few other people in the hockey community to try and raise money for the underage setup so that these kids didn't have to pay, well, their parents didn't have to pay uh, for for them to to play. So I know that that group has raised a lot of money and, and have been That's absolutely brilliant. amazing. Yeah. But, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of euro to run an underage setup, never mind the national teams, to run an underage setup. And you're asking kids who want to play for their country to pay and you're asking their parents to pay and the environment that that creates just isn't good enough you know Mm. because what do you do as a parent when your daughter comes home or your son comes home and asks for that amount of money I think interestingly it does also apply to males doesn't it yeah it does yeah Yeah, the the sport really isn't all that isn't isn't all that that let's say it's not idolized by um, by any of the the funding bodies Chloe, tell us about Sport Ireland is now going to distribute money, I presume. They're going to be... Hmm? I hope so, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you have representatives up there, I presume, arguing your case for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, you are struggling along. Are you being paid by the team you pay for in the... Are you being paid by the team you play for in the Netherlands? It was, it, it was an extremely... It was a three figures a sum if I'm being honest it wasn't uh, enough to cover you know no. a, a living costs at all but really? we, we got accommodation um, yeah. and we got a car and those kind of expenses but yeah. it, we didn't get a necessarily a, a, a monthly Wage. salary yeah. Yeah, yeah and that invaluable experience of course of playing with the top a, 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 exactly. a world class outfit I suppose mm. nonetheless something that would have been funded and I suppose in other sports by national bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few other things. Um, let's let's put a bit of the joy back into it. Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the All I Want for Christmas. Yeah. Um, so um, I think it was it was the, the night before our first game and we were all kind of a bit, you know, jittery, had butterflies in the stomach and one of the girls just said, oh, it's like the night before Christmas. It's that kind of feeling you had when you were a child. And um we were kind of laughing about it and we, we go and do a, a morning mobility every morning. So before breakfast, we go for a walk and we do stretches for 20 minutes, that kind of thing, just at a, at a park. We were in the middle of Canary Wharf as well. So um, a very busy business district um, and we'd always be there around 8, 8.30. So it was always busy with people going to work. And we started playing these Christmas songs just the, the morning of the game, just as a bit of fun and just because, you know, that's the feeling we had and uh, everybody was kind of looking at us saying, who are those girls and what are they doing with Christmas songs in the middle of July? But um, <laughs> It worked the first it game. Worked, yeah, it worked the first game and then we had to we had to keep doing it every morning because, you know, it that's worked. That's what we and do it, now. It made yeah. us win, yes. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and one of the, th- I mean, one of the outstanding features, I think, of, the, of, of your whole tournament was the sense of joy coming out of it. I mean, I, I would watch a bit of rugby and you'd see the teams coming out, you know, before a really important match and they are totally zoned. Mm-hmm. There is no smile. There is nothing. Even the person holding the hand of the mascot is looking as though he's going to murder someone. Um, whereas you came out looking as though you were just going to dance. Uh, what is that because it was such a surprise or what was going on? I think it was probably, you know, some of us have worked 8, 10, 12 years to get onto the stage that we were running onto. And we ran out of that tunnel on the first day and we were all nervous, definitely. But we were so excited because 
you know, it's that was the moment we had worked for for so long, all the sacrifices, everything. And we went into the tournament as the second lowest ranked team. We knew we could produce more, but, you know, no one else knew that. But we just went in, we said, you know what, we are going to enjoy every single minute, minute of this. And, yeah, we had a team saying that I'm not sure I'm allowed to say, but... Um, oh, please. <laughs> Go on, it's the women's podcast. Well, yeah. yeah, we kind of just said, you know what, fuck it. Like, we are going to go out and we are going to just show the world what we're about and we are going to enjoy every minute of it. So we'd stand in the tunnel and we'd just turn around to each other and we'd say, you know, yeah, to each other. And, you know... Just those two words. Yeah, That's... and just those two words. And everyone would just be laughing and joking and smiling and we'd run out the tunnel and then you ran out and there were hundreds and hundreds of Irish people there and the place green. was green. And and the fields of Alton Rye. I, I, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you yeah. stand up for the girls in green being sung. You have Come On Ireland, you know, and you just, it. we just didn't believe it, to be it's honest. Incredible. It was absolutely incredible. So the smiles were just of not only were we so delighted to be eventually playing in a world mm. tournament, we had so many supporters that were there and cheering us on. And as the tournament went on, the support just grew and grew. We, we ran out in the final. It's 10, over 10,000 people capacity in the stadium. And honest to God, the place was completely green. They'd say, who's here for Holland? And they were like, oh, like you know, standing there just half clapping. And then it was like, who's here for Ireland? And the whole place would erupt, you know. And hockey Ireland. Yeah, and it was just, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't not smile. Like you could not enjoy that. And no matter how nervous you were or what you were thinking of the game, you know, it just lifted everyone's spirits. And they play songs, and we were saying on the pitch, you know, there was times they play songs, and you nearly be on the pitch wanting to kind of join in, you know. It was just the atmosphere was incredible. It was so surreal. Just tell us a, to a few last things. As a, there's a, I, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the letters page of the Irish Times, which is which, where, where, which is intensely serious, and they discuss the great issues of the day with, <laughs> with very little entertainment involved. But in this case, they are talking about you. And today, I think they're talking about your, with what degree of vigour you sang the Irish national anthem, and then how much of your vigour went into singing um, uh, Ireland's Call. Was that an issue within the team? I suppose never had anybody ever watched you singing the national anthem before. Was that was that a surprise? Did you have to sort of prepare for that? Um, to sing Ireland's Call? No, we 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 would sing it at every um, hockey s- uh, series of matches we we would have. Um, so we're quite used to singing it now. We're not great at singing it. We're all out of key, and it's trying to actually find a level. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you've got it's some crowds beside you. But um, yeah, no. No, it was, you know, the camera's going by and it's in your face and that's probably something we weren't ex- we weren't used to and we haven't experienced before. So, um, yeah, it kind of take took you aback a little bit that, that way. But no, we've had experience singing it. We really enjoyed it and you could hear the crowd as well. So it was amazing. And just let me ask you one last thing about the enormous upsurge of support and awareness now around the brilliance of the Irish women's hockey team. Um, and there's a little bit of uh, sort of worry that the UK, uh, with its ambitions and being able to sort of pick what it likes from the four home nations, that they might actually, that they, uh, they, that they might try to poach some of you. Yeah, I think uh, it's always been an interesting, uh, you know, discussion point is that we are an All-Ireland team, like mm. the rugby team are, and we do represent the four provinces and, you know, I think we're extremely proud to do that. And I think every one of us, it, it, there are never any issues on our team. No. You know, there, there's tricolours being dragged around and the girls from the north aren't, you know, saying, well, why is that mm. happening? You know, and, and vice versa with other things. So 
we're we're very you know proud to be representing the four provinces but I think the girls have dedicated their lives to Irish hockey and you know they play their club hockey up north and they're they are very proud to represent Irish hockey and for England hockey to come in it, it's difficult it, it has happened in the men's game and mm. players have gone over but you have to take if you've been capped at Irish level you have to take a three-year gap before you're then able to play at another um, for another country. So it's that in itself is quite um, it's difficult, you know. So I, I'm not sure if it would happen in the women's game. I think our team is so tight knit, and it I is. couldn't imagine any of our girls going to play for England. And I think that rivalry is always there. <laughs> I so <laughs> you know, you, I. <laughs> I know I have. I was born in Oxford, so I could probably get an English passport if I wanted one. But um, oh, I wish yeah. you hadn't said that. Yeah. They probably know that, do they? No, yeah, no, they don't know that. So maybe delete okay, that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't do no, it. No, you no, know leave it I mean? in because yeah. she's, which is Anna saying she won't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, yes. it just it, we play for Ireland, and that's who we represent, and we're so proud of that. And I think yeah. the girls up north feel the same. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, everything about you, we are so mm-hmm. proud of you. That old cliche about you being great ambassadors, it is so true. But you're also your great ambassadors for joy and mm-hmm. achievement and ambition and risk taking and everything we look for in the women's podcast. So congratulations. We love looking at the silver medals gleaming around your necks. Yeah. And <laughs> um, thank you for coming into the women's podcast. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Thanks. Thank And that's it for today. We'll be keeping an eye on those women. Their next big gig is next summer, the qualifiers for the Olympics. What brilliant women they are and congratulations to all of them. We couldn't be happier for them here on the Women's Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can always find us on irishtimes.com. If you do want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or you can email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. Also, we do enjoy a bit of praise from time to time. So if you like what we do, then please do head along to iTunes, give us a review and tell all your friends about it. The podcast is produced by Roisin Engel and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, I'm Cathy Sheridan and thanks for listening. I hope you really enjoyed that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.